I'm Felina. And I'm Summer. And you are listening to Broken Broken. <laughs> because we're both. The podcast about living your best life by getting real. Hey, broken people. This is Summer. And this is Felina. And today we have Sarah. Sarah Adams Cornell. How are you doing, Sarah? Alito. I am good. I'm a little worn out today, but uh, <laughs> like we said, perpetual Monday, but uh, lots of good stuff happening. And I'm really glad to be here with you, ladies. Well, thank you for taking the time to come hang out with us and chat with us a little bit. Absolutely. Absolutely. So I met Sarah many years ago mm-hmm. in ceremony, and we do lots and lots of work together. Mm-hmm. In fact, um, two of the panels I've done this month also had Sarah on them. So we, <laughs> we've had a really busy month. Yeah. So um, what panels are you guys on together? I guess these were both Native American Heritage Month. Yeah, so panels. we went to Windstar to Thackerville, Oklahoma. <laughs> Where Good. there is nothing but a casino. Nothing but a casino <laughs> and the world's largest casino, Windstar. So we were there for, um, it was actually a really keen event. For VAWA, that's right. Chickasaws put on a really cool VAWA um, connection between community and tribal law and governance and um, kind of where all of those intersections meet. And Summer, Kendra, and I did a panel on kind of what is the impact on our community with this legislation and how does it actually work out in a community. So what is the legislation for people who don't know? Yeah, Summer, you're better at this than I am. This <laughs> the Violence part. Against Women's Act. And we have talked about right, this Right, we've talked about bit, that. Yeah. And Kendra's actually been on the podcast before as well. Um, but VAWA had some, the 2013 reauthorization, reauthorization of mm-hmm. VAWA had some tribal provisions that allows uh, tribes or nations, I'm sorry, I'm get, trying to get better at using mm-hmm. the correct terminology, um, has some provisions that allow nations to prosecute non-natives um, for specific offenses within VAWA, which is domestic violence, sexual assault, stalking, but those are only within the confines of a um, of domestic violence. So it's not all rape cases, it's not all stalking, it's only between current or former intimate partners. Mm-hmm. Um, so we had to... Do and some we, education yeah. on that. And we talked about more about how this plays out in in our in women's lives. You know, what mm-hmm. does this look like? What are we seeing in matriarch uh, with our women? What is uh, what are things that are actually working to help preventative measures and um, healing trauma? You know, what what's mm-hmm. the fallout for our community and and what's it look like and how are we doing it best and what is really not working. Mm -hmm. Um, And so that was kind of where they engaged us and said, we have lots of attorneys here. We have lots of people who are, you know, uh, even I saw people there who were um, like law enforcement, which I was really glad to see, which is we usually don't see that Mm -hmm. at these conferences. It's usually like attorneys, but there is a huge piece that involves law enforcement and how do they enforce or not um, what's happening and there's a huge gap there so I was really glad to see that tie in but that was one of the panels mm-hmm. um, and then we did another one at, at the, the library at the library downtown library about um, it was varied like we talked about a lot of stuff it was basically what we it was like what we referred to as Indian 101 <laughs> yeah it really was it was what Indian 101 <laughs> so we talked about VAWA we talked about ICWA we mm-hmm. talked about um ed- indigenizing education mm-hmm. we talked about water rights we talked about um what else it was a whole list of topics and we went everywhere with those intersections too we talked about mascots Mm -hmm. uh, representation appropriation Mm -hmm. um, well i think that's great i mean like i'm i am not part of a tribe and so you know i don't we have these podcasts and i always learn something new so I and I'm I'm probably the best one to ask questions because I'm like you two seem to speak the same language and I'm like what is that what? and we talk about it so often I think we forget sometimes mm-hmm, we do. that it's not everybody understands the like you the terminology right that yeah become you, terms of art right yeah you've used the you know you said well we went through ceremony ceremony together well I don't know what that is like why you know what is that specifically what is that entail? we met at a sweat sweat lunch yes. yeah okay. so we met at a sweat how many years ago. 2012? 2012, <laughs> Five, I believe. 500. So, uh, Five hundred. Five hundred years ago. Also known we as met. Six. <laughs> Wait, I don't math. <laughs> right. Um, it feels like it's been longer than it that. It does. That's because we've been working that entire yeah, time. Yeah, I think it was one of those cool things where you know you meet, and in Indian country, small. 
you know it's definitely one of those things where but you know when you find the that sisterhood and those people and things just click and work and you do speak that same language and it just kind of works those are for me the places that you have to just be grateful for and go with it because I think that timing is incredibly important and um, we can't get the job done without everybody, right? So Summer does things that I have absolutely no idea about. I mean, I know about them, but I'm not good at them, mm-hmm. and vice versa. And so we have. Oh, this... she's way better at peopling than me. <laughs> I cannot network like she can. It, it is, and so, and that's kind of the beauty of it, right? Yeah. Is we all just kind of fill in the gaps, and we do it in a way that honors each other and each other's knowledge and uh, place, and it is way easier to do you know do revolution movement building when you have a whole bunch of sisters around you for healing for support to encourage them well hell yeah i mean your ladies are Uh, everything i don't know how anybody does it without it i don't know i'd be in a fetal position rocking back and forth yeah no i couldn't live this life without my ladies no Mm -hmm. i i I need their support yes (laughs) so what is it that you do so my nine to five, I work for my parents' company, Redland Sheet Metal. They are a custom fabric. We are a custom fabrication <laughs> um, sheet metal company uh, in South Oklahoma City. So we do stainless steel countertops and cabinets and backsplash and industrial and a little bit of residential. So that's what I do. And I do a lot of like paperwork, basically, um, and seeping into the financial bookkeeping end which is like I'm sorry oh my <laughs> yes and into project management so I'm starting to bid, bid jobs things like that so I'm using math for like the first time in my life which is amazing <laughs> um, but then outside of that um, I do a lot of things actually I'm a, um, one of the co-founders of Matrix you guys met Kendra who's incredible and she's kind of the other um, other half of this the other co-founder uh so that takes a lot of my time and matriarch is an intertribal native women's organization now a nonprofit. um that's really we we are a support organization and we empower each other and we do trauma healing and we do that twice a month in tulsa and in oklahoma city and i'm also uh the um the vice president of the board for Sovereign Community School. And that's a, a new charter school in Oklahoma City to indigenize education and turn around a lot of the abysmal graduation rates we have for Native kids in Oklahoma City, which is 59%. Wow. And um, uh, that's a huge thing that we're doing a lot of work on right now. Um, I'm, I'm the vice president of the board of the ACLU of Oklahoma. Oh, wow. Uh, I do. Um, <laughs> uh, work with not your mascots doing work with um oh it's horrible like i need to bring this stuff and put it in front of me um <laughs> i know we you're need, gonna have to edit this <laughs> yeah because then i'm gonna get in trouble they're know. like do i even have your, you your last bio uh, i don't know this. i also have stage four cirrhosis which means that um i forget things pretty often <laughs> it's a real thing toxins build up in your body and you, your yeah. memory is impacted so this is this is the downfall of my cirrhosis, my diagnosis. But um, a lot of uh, really exciting, good things that are going on, and most of it really centers around indigenous, uh, indigenizing spaces and women and children. So mm-hmm. if you had to like, whoosh, that would be it. That's your focus. That's it. Yeah. That's what I do. Well, I approve. Two Spirit Society. Oh yes, I'm a part of Central Oklahoma Two Spirit Society, and. Uh, you're this all scrolls. Scroll. I know. I'm looking. This is an Doesn't old. Matter. This is, you this guys bio can add is two it years in. old. I don't yeah, know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's totally cool. We'll figure it out later. No big deal. Um, and you have a couple children and all. This oh too yes, I do have children. Of. Yes, um, I have two daughters who are incredible and really drive my work. I would say, um, oh, live indigenous. Okay. Oh. <laughs> Okay, we are both on this board, and we both forgot it. I'm so sorry. <laughs> okay, so yeah, I uh, am uh, the founder <laughs> uh, of an organization called Live Indigenous OK, and it is a uh, not a nonprofit, so it really is a community, community grassroots organ, mm-hmm. organization. 
Um, we recently got um, uh, Indigenous Peoples Day recognized in Oklahoma City, and so that was mm-hmm. uh, that was you, or uh, that was our group. Yeah, it was definitely you. not just yes. me. Sure. Yeah. And sure. thank you, Mayor Holt. Yes, thank you, Mayor Holt. That was an incredible. Uh, and I'd love to talk about that at some point because we really haven't. Well, let's talk about let's it. Go let's ahead. do yeah. it. Go right ahead. It was the most different experience, it's polar opposite um, interactions that we had with city government prior. Um, he, he was incredible. Uh, he asked us, he actually asked us our opinion on issues happening in the city. He is Osage, which I think had a whole lot to yeah, do I'm with sure. it. Um, he also is young and he is inclusive and it was just completely different. I felt like I was listened to. Yes, and it's not just with our community either. I've, right. I've noticed him. Wait, with... a politician yes. listened to you? Mayor Holt, yes. And asked us questions and then listened. Right. You know, mm-hmm. There's the, the kicker. Wow. Right. And then he did something? And he and did, something he did something too. Something. That yeah. you wanted him to do? Right. Yes. And not for money. No. no. It was amazing. No. I know. Huh. Because my girls took part in the um, <laughs> the sit-in reenactment, the 50th anniversary mm-hmm. of the Clara Luber sit-ins, mm-hmm. and he was there for that too. Mm-hmm. And he spoke. He actually got visibly emotional in speaking wow. about what Oklahoma City still needs to do as far mm-hmm. as becoming more inclusive and listening to marginalized communities about what we need and. And I've heard him on a, a few occasions talk about that, how yes. he reaches out to community members that he knows to get feedback instead of just making decisions, assuming what they need. So mm-hmm. we need more different. of those we people need lots in office. Of David Holtz. Yes. And Can we clone him? Is that possible? I know, right? And the thing is, that what I love is that it's he's a Republican. So this is changing how I feel about Republicans somewhat. Not all Republicans, but <laughs> it has not been my experience to have uh, to 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 be able to communicate on this level with somebody who um, sits under uh, a different flag, so to speak. Right. So right. Um, it it has really given me the opportunity to reevaluate and, and say, okay, we can find bridges, we can find things we agree on, and find more inclusion for communities of color and oppressed communities in Oklahoma City. Um, hopefully, he'll run for you know. Governor, would not be keen. Maybe, yeah. Anyway, so so contrast that. Tell her how the, the council uh, for three or four it years makes my eye <laughs> twitch yes. to talk about this. Yeah, <laughs> it was horrendous. What yeah. was it? So we took Indigenous Peoples Day to Oklahoma City City Council four years ago, mm-hmm. um, and we thought it was going to be really easy, low-hanging fruit, right? Like, So Should the be. city doesn't actually recognize Columbus Day. So this was really just an addition, just to say, hey, we're recognizing Indigenous Peoples Day on the second Monday in October. This should be easy. Uh, <laughs> it was not. So we were oh, met nice. with all kinds of rhetoric from... You know, there was a really great guy who really assimilated into, uh, you know, the (laughs) culture. And you guys should should do that. And um, we're just not ready for this type of thing. All the way to, well, if you want it. Isn't that enough? Yes. And, well, if we do this for you, then every, you know, group is going to want their day. And I was like, well, that's okay, right? Let's get them out their day. Right? Exactly. We were also told we would be taken more seriously if we had more men speaking yep. for us. Are you yep. fucking kidding me? No, they actually said that? No. Yes. There's actually well, they, an yep, editorial they online that somewhere I wrote about that. The fact that there were no men with us. and So fucking what? Right? Right. So we had to go that to the men and ask yeah. them and they're like, okay we'll do it but it shouldn't be necessary right. that but okay. me. yeah and we did actually have men working with us they just weren't the leads right um oh. and uh so gosh yeah, I mean, I, did you, how did your well, tiny little female brain handle all those big questions i know, I know. it's <laughs> incredible that you know our our husbands let us come and you know take they let us out of the house right? <laughs> We, and it was, and the fact that Oklahoma City City Council just doesn't represent, they do not look like what Oklahoma City looks like. She had one woman on council who voted against us, by the yes, way. Yes, she did. And um, we just have a lot of people, like there is a person who represents South Oklahoma City who is an old, whiter, white man, That and South Oklahoma City is very 
predominantly Hispanic mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and they need someone who represents their community yeah. and not someone who has just and I think he's been sitting in that seat for like a long time I yeah don't know long. a long long time I think he's the longest sitting council person but nevertheless we had we, we encountered a lot of I would say bigotry uh, patri- patriarchal mm-hmm. I don't even know what to go no, uh, oh, <laughs> mm. and even too. do you remember being in that room? And I remember looking up, and I looked up at the ceiling, and they had these light yes, fixtures. Yes, I tweeted those photos of Did the light you? fixture. I'm and like, they have like Indians with like headdresses yes. on them, and I was like, "This yes. is so Oklahoma, where we will, <laughs> we will tout. We they want the dancers, they want the music, they want the feathers. They do not want." the actual people right. like contemporary they, indigenous no, people they just want to they're they love us when they want us to dance for mm-hmm. them and entertain them but not and otherwise. otherwise see you later mm-hmm. so that was kind of what we encountered uh for the first two years the third year we didn't go before them because we knew that the the makeup had not changed enough mm-hmm. we were gonna i don't like to be my head against a wall so yeah. We were like, we're going to sit this one out. And, and we consulted. We had a public meeting of oh, we did. Oklahoma City. Yeah. Oh, it was very intentional. Community. Yeah. And that was the consensus. Every, yeah. it, I think it was unanimous, actually. I don't think there were any yeah. detractors that said, wait. Yeah, let's so, do it again. So, so and we, we knew, but we knew the election was coming up. Yes. And so we were very, we used our uh, time to go meet with those candidates and say, how are you, you know, how do you feel about Indigenous Peoples Day? How would you vote? Um, and actually, everybody we talked to said that they would vote for it. And so, um, uh, but Mayor Holt um, seemed a lot more um, willing to sit down and have open conversation with us. It was less about getting our votes and more about inclusion and, and making good decisions for the city. So that was kind of how that happened. We got it passed. Uh, we'd been working on it with him in his office for probably four or five months before October. Um, got it passed, had a resolution reading at Oklahoma City University on um, October, second Monday in October, which was like the 8th or the 10th. And then we had a panel that day. We are super excited. He said every, you know, the entire time he is mayor, we will always have Indigenous Peoples Day. And we were like, did y'all hear that? Right. Everybody he heard that? He said it <laughs> in public and That's not everybody. Right. And, I, and I believe that, you know, and I, I trust him. Um, yeah. And I don't think, I think that's the first time I've ever said that. I trust a politician. But I trust him. I do. Um, don't mess and, this up. <laughs> yeah. And I feel good about him. So I also feel like if we had an issue, we could call his office and talk to him about it. Mm-hmm. Um, so um that's a little bit about live indigenous okay um we have thought about uh getting together and this was our this was the the reason we put this group together but there are a million other things that need to be addressed we want to be a little more policy driven um we want to kind of be the organization that is uh, that knows about legislation or even right now i think we're about to be at the deadline for state legislators who um they have a deadline to submit bills mm-hmm. to catch that and say, okay, what's coming down the pike? Which ones are really going to be impacting indigenous families? Let's talk about those um, and let's help advocate uh, and inform educator community about those. Mm-hmm. So you might see more from us about um, things like that. Awesome. Yeah. Awesome. Well, you are a busy lady. (laughs) I think we're all busy, though. You know, like, I know that it's a lot of stuff that's kind of more public, but I really don't see myself as more busy than anybody. I think everybody's kind of doing, um, working, you know, sometimes more in silos, but um, it's all important work, whether you're, you know, making sure that your kid is getting their homework done or whether you take that extra 10 minutes to make sure that you're taking care of yourself you know we're all struggling uh, to to meet the needs of our families and our community and ourselves and ourselves always come last unfortunately but i'm trying to get better at that i'm oh, yeah, no. the worst i i mean you there's 
nothing to pour from the cup if it's empty. Absolutely. You know, and, and mine is bone dry, baby. I am, so, <laughs> I am so awful about taking care of myself. I wait till I collapse and then like, oh yeah. And then we go, why are we sick? Right. Why am I sick? Why do I have these? Why can't I kick this thing? Mm-hmm. And it's like, uh, cause you've been wearing working 18 hours oh, a day. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I was in bed all day yesterday cause I was so sick. Cause you know, I spent the last three days in D.C. and before How that was I was it? doing like everything else and I just finally collapsed yesterday. How was D.C.? I mean, it was good. Yeah, tell um, us a little bit about it. I went and spoke. I gave a um, diversity and inclusion training for the Bureau of Land Management. Okay, that's me. Um, I'm like, you're <laughs> in the pit. <laughs> I was a little concerned about how um, some of the things I had to say were going to be received. Yeah. Um, but I say them with a sweet smile. So what are you going to do? Right. Um, they already made the checkout. So. Actually, they don't. You have to oh. invoice after the fact but (laughs) but I had a signed contract so there you go um it was received better than I expected so it was pretty good there that was the best group I have ever spoken to (gasps) as far as asking questions really you know how you usually get three maybe four questions almost everybody in the room had something to talk about it that was really awesome I love that yeah so give us give me some highlights um, well, I gave my presentation, which what they had requested was Native Contributions to American Society. <gasps> I know. Wow. I the same so thing. loaded. Wait. I'm like, whoa. Yes. Is Wait. this a joke? Whoa. Right. How about the land that you live on? <laughs> the one. Well, and it's coming from land management, <laughs> right? Oh, my God. The, oh and my tell us about what you did for us. For us, right? So <laughs> um, I took some liberties with that topic um, no. I did start with um, well first of all defining what native is in the government to government relationship and um, also acknowledging whose land we were on in mm-hmm. DC and then we kind of profiled some people um, who have contributed to US society although not necessarily in the ways that they expected mm-hmm. <laughs> some were I mean there was important people in arts and sports and what have you um, but there was also policy um, Louise Cobell was mm. brought up which everybody in the room knew that because mm-hmm. Bureau of Land Management mm-hmm. and not say it's a it's the largest settlement um, in US history the um, US government had mismanaged trust funds for land that is held in trust for natives and we're not paying the natives what they were um, entitled Surprising. to. Surprising. Right. And so she actually worked for almost a decade trying to make um, reforms before she finally sued. And um, because she wasn't able to, they finally filed a class action lawsuit and did win. Um, and so The that, settlement was like, how many? Uh, I don't know. I have my notes here. But um, it was billions of dollars. It was billions. Like the biggest. It was. It's the biggest ever. in the history. And so what reaction did you get? Um, that one they were kind of silent on. There wasn't the head nods like in some of the others, but <laughs> everybody kind of got it. And I'm like, you know, this is a contribution because it does create a balance on the U.S. government that they have to, um, because there is not a single politician that we have talked to lobbying who does not know about that, <laughs> um, that settlement. So they really do understand that. And it is a more pressure to do what you're supposed to do, do your job right. Mm-hmm. And I also talked about um, Baby Veronica and Equa mm-hmm. and all the ways that that um, case has affected things because it's not just Equa. It is, you know, it, Iqua, it, Indian Child Welfare Act. Right, Indian Child Welfare Act, which we did a episode on recently with Jonna. Mm-hmm. Um, and it also exposed a lot of corruption in the adoption industry and also how rights are stripped from unmarried fathers and military fathers. So that and their children are, you know, placed for adoption against their wishes. So I included a lot of stuff in there. Um, Good for you. That they yeah. weren't expecting. Um, John Trudell made it in there, which is probably the most controversial person I talked right. about. I even co- gave his quotes about the FBI and declaring he, uh, war on him and, and other AIM leaders. But so what's his controversy? Um, well, he uh, first became known because he was the spokesperson for the national spokesman for the Alcatraz occupation in what year was that? 73? I don't know the year. It was before I was born. Um, <laughs> gets fuzzy when it was before I was born. But anyhow, he was the, um, the national spokesperson for that. And then, of course, the American Indian Movement came out of that after it wound down. And they were... Um, pretty well hunted down by the FBI. Um, 
there is a 17,000 page FBI file on just him. Oh wow. Um, and then brilliant poet. Right, and how he became a poet. Activist. And how he became a poet was his um, and he his there was a suspicious fire at his home on the res that killed his wife, his children and her mother. Oh, wow. Um, and the FBI refused to um, investigate and he believed that it was done by them or at the very least enabled by them um, in reaction to a demonstration he had done in which he did burn an American flag um, 12 hours before the fire happened at his home and that's actually how he became a poet he went into um, basically isolated himself entirely and came and um, then the words just started pouring out of him and he became an absolutely brilliant poet mm -hmm. and his work and his words have inspired so many whether it's community organizers or artists I've seen his work incorporated in the art of so many others mm -hmm. so he's, he's an important person anybody really in any country knows who he is and knows his impact on um, really he, I, I feel like his words have really shaped advocacy and activism uh, in con our contemporary times. Absolutely. I mean, from his time forward, I think um, there's so much of his, um, not just um, his views, but the way that he, he chose to act on them and um, the way that he spoke them and the power that um, people feel from just how much he loves his people, you know, like that. And and I think that a lot of times AIM and some of these groups get such a bad rap. I, I mean, I think it's the same for organizations like the Black Panthers. You know, they were a community organization feeding kids. They were kids. feeding people. They it were was making, a, right? Yeah. Like that was a big part of who they were. And, and most of those movements have always be, been villainized and made mm -hmm. into, you know, and you can even argue that him. for the LGBTQ community. You know, early on, they talked about them as pedophiles, as, you know, mm -hmm. criminals. Sure. And yeah. you're still seeing that rhetoric, really. Sure. Well, I mean, the bathroom thing, right? Like, right. oh, oh they're yeah. going to molest your children in there. And it's like, you know, they have people of color or oppressed people have been villainized and their movements, you know, sure. uh, so that the larger society will always be view them as criminals, mm -hmm. um, which helps perpetuate the racism and the oppression. So, um, yeah. Well, I'm glad you uh, threw some things into <laughs> your, yeah. your speech that they weren't yeah. expecting. What kind of questions did you get? Um, I got a lot of the typical questions, you know, how can we hold people accountable in our own lives, um, which is pretty standard um, and nobody ever wants the answer to because, mm. like, you've got to stand up to the people you care about, whether yeah. they like it or not. Mm -hmm. And nobody likes that answer. They want a magic um, solution that's going to get them off the hook and them not have to be uncomfortable, which never works. Um, then I also got the... <laughs> standard questions that we love which I posted a photo of my son took where I'm giving the side eye to somebody <laughs> really <laughs> because it was the you know are the, would the mascots be okay if it was a native person dressing up or isn't that at least more accurate if the you know the boy scouts are putting the headdress on a native person I'm like thank you for missing the point right. um, <laughs> and um there was a couple who asked about me, which is I'm not used to. I'm oh. used to people wanting to talk about the topic, not myself. Mm. So that was a little odd. What they want to know about you, Summer? Um The first <laughs> one was like just wanted to know about me in general because, unlike most, pla most to get places, most places they didn't do a. <laughs> well, you know how normally when they introduce you, they do a bio, right? Yeah. Well, they didn't at this, so it was the first time. And that's so I, weird. It, it yeah, was that's weird. talk like that, right? And I didn't think about it. I didn't realize until after the fact. And his question was, you know, you've developed the story really well for other people, but who are you? So I had to give kind of my background and and stuff. And then there was this one. A really nice woman who she was the I, I, she kept staring at her phone and I'm like what is she doing? She was on my website like reading my CV and everything. <laughs> and she's like I'm on your website right now and you're she said you're well on your way to leaving a um, 
an incredible legacy, but what is it you want to be known as when you're gone? Hmm. That was the hardest question I have ever. I bet you're like, uh. Yes, I was like, well, what do you want to be? (laughs) Yeah. Well, the thing is, I don't really care if people remember my name. I just want the work that I put in to continue, and with the movement the momentum in all these movements that that we work on to continue. Because ideally, if we've done our jobs in the way that we hope we're doing our jobs, when we're gone, there's not going to be a void that they're missing Mm -hmm. us because other people have already filled that in and be doing even bigger and better things than we could ever conceive of. So it's about building the momentum. Now. Right. It's about the, sustainability. Right. Yeah. The, li- the life that we've put into what this we, to continue to grow. Which means also that we have built on what our ancestors have, have placed for us. Right. So it's not that we didn't also benefit from um, that trajectory. Absolutely. The, the that sustainability. Came yeah, because we right. wouldn't be here if it weren't for people before us who... Mm-hmm had you know we incrementally make it better all the time um usually (laughs) with momentary whiplash (laughs) right yeah two steps forward one step back absolutely that's the way it is though and and i think it's important that we continue to push the envelope because and and that's a really interesting conversation about like activism in general is they're all there are so many different ways and modes to do it right some of them are like super hardcore like militant and then there are others who are more policy driven they you know like taking 20 years for a little bitty change then there are others who do like more grassroots so so there's so many different ways and you know everybody thinks there's a right way well i feel like you have to use them all because the people who are really driving it hardcore they they get us further down the line but the policy people are really good because they make it sustainable you know Mm -hmm. long-term law and then the grassroots people are the people who keep it working and mm-hmm. going all the time. The people mm-hmm. you never see. Mm-hmm. Uh, I feel like they're all pieces of the puzzle. You I have need to. them all. You do. And it is a beautiful thing when you can strategically work them to where it's pushing yes. together. And they're not working against each yes. other. That is that hard. happens. Oh, man. Because sometimes it's easy to say, okay, I want right to go scream about this. Mm-hmm. But then have no strategic plan for how mm-hmm. that's going to happen in result. Mm-hmm. Or and how so, it will backlash other movements right. when you do mm-hmm. that. And so you have to be strategic. And that's one thing that I think is really easy to not think about and well, I have a question. No, it gets really I mean, fun. this is maybe a dumb question, but... No dumb questions. Um, you know, how do some of the movements that you guys are involved in uh, with the tribal work uh, coincide with, like, like the women's movement or, mm-hmm. uh, like, when we had the teacher walkout? Like, mm-hmm. do you have a presence at those things and work with people? I mean, you know, what's been your experience? Will you have sure. a special presence at the Women's mm-hmm. March in, she was in at January. the last Women's March. Yeah. So I was at the one in D.C., the mm-hmm. first one that uh, I was part of. Uh, they invited an indigenous organization, invited Indigenous Women Rise, invited uh, indigenous women from all over the U.S., well, in Canada, too, to come in and be a part of their march. And so there were meetings that were held ahead of time to really, you know, everybody together so we were a part of that and then this um, we had a delegation and the other co-founder Kendra spoke at the first Oklahoma uh, City Women's March and then I helped um, I was one of the the um, lead organizers for the Oklahoma City March and then I'm helping again this year to oh, organize we need to talk yeah, yes she has, she has ideas too okay we well, need good. To talk. okay <laughs> and it's all women of color like right. the leadership is all women of color um, we need to talk <laughs> <laughs> it's uh it's all very intentional too yes. you know because the uh the pussy hat movement and all the things that <laughs> Hell yeah you know it's well it, it for me it's super difficult because it was from a very white perspective that in transphobic in some ways too it was just not inclusionary um and so uh sometimes you know there are ways for us to build that solidarity and um and that movement in a way that maybe looks a little different than what the initial women's march may have anticipated and mm-hmm. and as it should we should evolve our movements right like yeah i mean it can look i mean if that's what works for one group that's fine other groups can also have something that's representative for them i mean yeah I, so it's, i think it's important for us to always remember that our perspective on one thing 
is not everybody's and be willing to listen and grow and change things mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and issue, issues are going to evolve too and we've got to be willing to change our our um, tactical approach with that as well and not mm-hmm. get defensive and well and there's room for defensiveness <laughs> you know there's room for all of it there's room because with that defensiveness or that dissent comes growth you know it opens opportunities for us to have conversations that can then go okay well how do we do it better how, how are we gonna well, when I say defensive I mean the defensive type where you shut down and you don't listen mm-hmm. and you're not willing to sure. try to find yeah. that growth so I'm helping with the women's march this time. It's in, it's in, it's happening. I actually, we had a meeting on Thursday mm-hmm. um, to talk about, you know, how all of that was logistics, and it's mm-hmm. a it's shit ton of yeah, work. It's yeah, a it's a lot. Oh, of work. I'm sure. Yeah, uh, it, it's not going to be on the same day as the national That's right. march. Yeah. Uh, and why is that? Well, there's a lot. There are a lot of people who want to go to the national march, mm-hmm. and so for and us that to be last time too, right? People had to decide. Yeah, the, well, the, they were on the same day last time. Right, that's what I'm yeah, saying. Yeah, so and it just to avoid that. So right, and there was there was a lot of um, some of our our leadership too is supposed to be a part of that national walk, but needs to be back here for this one too. And so we had um, we we decided to do two different uh, to have it on a different day, um, so that that was a possibility. You know, I I had a a friend who's pretty active, and and she was very upset that it's going to be on a different day because uh, she, and and I was at the, I wasn't at the last one, I was out of town doing something, but the one before that, uh, I was at, and I brought my daughter, and it felt, I I get her point, like, she said that it felt like, you know, the fact that it was happening all over the nation on the same day that we were all unified Mm -hmm. together and felt like a a bigger part of it. Mm -hmm. And uh, so what would you say to someone who feels like, you know, they're losing some of that momentum or that unit, that feeling of unity by having the event on a, on a different day? I'd say you're missing the whole point. The whole point, there's not one day. I mean, yes, there is a, a, um, there is I understand the feeling to want to do it on the same day with everybody else. I also think we have this mentality that there's one day and that's the only day we're going to get together and the only day we're going to talk about this and have this work done. And by diversifying it, by changing it up, by making sure that that we're doing it well and right in the confines that we can is more important than having it on a particular day. So what we've talked about doing is having, um, making sure that uh, we have more ways to plug in at this march so before it was like we're going to listen to these incredible speakers we're going to have a little bit of like here a few ways to get involved this time we're going to have like breakout sessions where you go to two different sessions and you hear from you can pick two and there'll be maybe like six offerings to plug into different communities and say learn more let's not just rah rah and hit and hit you know leave this has to be continued organizing, right, movement building. Work. It's... You cannot you cannot be there one day and then be done. And I think for a lot of people that that go to these, they want that kind of sure, opportunity absolutely. to like plug in and follow. Like, what up. can I keep doing to, to keep we, the momentum yeah, going? Exactly. Yeah. yeah, I agree. So I would say that the the mo- the importance of just one day is not what we should be focusing on like there are so many other things that are more important than doing it on that saturday no i get that i think there may be a misconception that the only reason it's not on the same day is because a handful of people want to do both Mm. you know and that doesn't feel you know for everybody else who wants to be a part of it you know but there's obviously more reasons than having it just on and i would say the people who want to go do both are doing the majority of the lifting in oklahoma and they should have also the the place to say well if i'm going to organize this whole thing then we have to make sure that it works with everything i'm doing too we've not had a lot of heavy lifters in oklahoma to do the work and it has been on the backs of women of color well there are people who want to help i mean i know that for sure so i think part of maybe one of the groups you can have is you know who wants to help step up in leadership for this going forward because I know there are people who want to do more Mm -hmm. you know want to be a part of you know having a say on how things 
you know, our, our everybody plan wants to save for how things are planned. Not everybody wants to do the work. And, no, we need, and, yeah. I, and I don't just mean yeah. having a say. I mean, there are people who are willing to do the work that mm-hmm. want to be involved and, and are asking to be involved. So uh, I hope that it can help grow. Yeah, that. I hope yeah. so, because it does, we do need more people wor- putting in work and organizing, because, yeah, I see the same handful of people at every mm-hmm. event mm-hmm. and across communities, you know, sure. they're yeah. working, and I'm like, there's so many people, <laughs> it shouldn't yeah. be left to this small group of people to kill themselves to mm-hmm. push things forward, mm-hmm. um, so hopefully people will start. Yeah. You know, Absolutely. coming on board and helping do things, yeah. doing the work. Yeah. I've seen some of the the lashback on it, too, and some of it's just freaking ugly, and I just want to go. Lashback? Like what? About the date. Like, oh. I'm just like, seriously, we're going to argue about the date? Like, that's what, we have policy coming at us to to make oh it illegal God. for the people policy. to get an abortion. Like, we're going to talk about Life it. in prison. Life in prison. Like this, in Oklahoma, that's the bill that's been... Yeah. That's been put forward oh, I know. by Silk. Oh, I know. Mm-hmm. It just, yeah, it's just hard to like, I don't know. I think this is the, the also a, a hard part of movement building is like the dissent that happens within groups, the, fa- the fractioning that happens in these movements. We get caught up in things that, that take our, our energy away from things that are incredibly important. Um, and that's hard. That's tough for me. It, it you know it gets me to a place where I'm like, is it worth it? You know <laughs> you know like I don't want to spin my wheels. I the my yeah. very least favorite thing is to to have my time or waste somebody else's time. Sure, it's yeah. like there's too much work to do. I'm I'm not interested in 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 infighting. Right. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. No, we do have too much work to do. There's so much. I feel like. <laughs> uh, and I feel like, yeah, the last couple of years have been even harder. Yeah, but, you know, but I think we've made a lot of progress. Like, there's a lot of progress. I'd say for the indigenous community, you know, things that have happened in Oklahoma City, getting Sovereign Community That's School huge. passed this year, seeing Indigenous Peoples Day passed this year. You know, within the last few years, we saw the, uh, you know, the exit of a Native mascot from one of our, our schools. Yay. So we've seen a lot, you know. Some uh, steps forward. Some steps forward, absolutely, that keep us in a place to go, okay, what's next? What do we need to do mm-hmm. next? How do we um, do this equity work in a way that's um, big picture long term, not just like, okay, well, we passed that hurdle, we're done. Right. You know, so the work's never going to be done. It's. Not I so. wish it would be. I'd love to be out of a <laughs> job. Love for it to Let's be. Look <laughs> Won't happen in our lifetime. Yeah, absolutely. So, can you tell us a little about Sovereign Community School? Because I'm super excited about this. Tell us what the curriculum is going to be I'm like. So what we, excited what about Sovereign. What are we sovereign. doing here? Yes. So, Sovereign Community School is a is a uh, charter school that was uh, recently approved by the State Board of Education after being turned down by <laughs> Oklahoma City Public Schools twice. Yes. Um, uh, we are super excited about it because it's going to indigenize education and bring us to a place that um, that serves a community of people who have been pretty left out in a lot of ways. Uh, we're failing our kids um, in a classroom a lot with uh, specifically with this westernized concept of education. So it doesn't work for everybody. The same model that we've had forever is not serving our kids, and it shows in the fact that we're graduating 59% of our Native kids in Oklahoma City Public Schools. So this school um, is, uh, there are four different pillars that we're uh, making sure that we're going to uh, produce and provide for our community, and those were all driven by the community. So normally the way education works, uh, there's a there's a school in a neighborhood right. and your kids just go to that school and you adapt to the school and this school Which doesn't always work oh no i have moved four times trying to find a school exactly. that works. oh my god yeah. and so this school is very different in that we take we went to the community and said what do you want you know what in your perfect scenario what kind of school do you need um and initially what was um difficult is our parents and community members could only tell us what they didn't want Mm-hmm. And so that, I think, was an, a very important mindset to understand that we've been on the defense so long of going, 
please stop doing that. Please yeah, stop doing that. like yeah. don't stop doing this to our kids. Don't do this. That we had a hard time dreaming about what we do want. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'd say about this second, third conversation, we were well on our way to go. Okay, what's the dream? What's the dream for our kids uh, and our community? And so we landed on four major things. Wellness was huge. We have a high rate of our um, our native kids who are experiencing mental crisis of some kind, cutting. Uh, uh, suicide attempts, anxiety, depression, um, and all the things that go with that. Mm-hmm. Um, so they wanted to see a class where they're going every day where they talk about wellness, relational wellness, educational wellness, mental, mm-hmm. physical wellness. That's great. Huge. Um, and it really rose to the top. I'd say that might have been our number one um, out of everything. Mm-hmm. They want rigorous education, obviously. So we have a small percentage of Native kids who go to college, but then a lot of those kids drop out of college. They don't actually make it through. So we want to see that happen, Um, which means making sure that we don't just educate them for those tests, but life skills. We're going to keep them eligible to play ball. Right. Right. Um, (laughs) They also want to see indigenized education. So most people think, oh, indigenous education, that's history and art. Like, (laughs) no. Because we only exist. Right, in in those two bubbles, right. So, like, while, you know, our ancestors had star charts that could tell you exactly how to get from A to B, everybody else thought the world was flat. You know what I mean? Like, we had sophisticated entire cities that were built on on the sun and moon alignments. Like, they were built on planetary alignments that we don't even know how to track. Exactly. And so many, so much of our knowledge now is based on that indigenous Mm -hmm. knowledge. It's just not recognized. Um, And so... We want to indigenize education. And then at that point, um, our families talked a whole lot about making sure that it was an intertribal inclusive place. So in some states, there would be three or four um, places that would be, um, you know, they would have three or four big tribes. Oklahoma City serves somewhere between 70 and 80 tribes. So it's like... How do you teach? Which language are which language are you going to teach? How are you going right. to you know what do you focus? It's a lot, but it offers a lot of really great opportunities as well. That intertribal um, uh, atmosphere, um, and so those are the things that it's it's really based on. We are wrapping up our principal search, uh, which is huge, and I'm so excited about. I'm so excited. It's going to be great. Um, we have phenomenal applicants. Um, and so we'll be wrapping that up within the next couple of weeks. We'll make announcements. We have a, um, a community gathering on December, um, it's like 19th. Let me see. And that is open to everyone. Yes. Wednesday, December 19th. If there's an event, let us know and we can put it on the podcast. Sure. People can link to it. Yeah. Muskogee Creek Center in Oklahoma City. And it's from six to eight on December 19th. And Uh, it's for any community members. We're going to have, you know, we're going to feed everybody like we do in in country eats. And then we're going to have giveaways and, and just, uh, lots of, uh, lots of opportunities to just celebrate, um, and find out who our new, uh, founding principal is. Yes. I can't wait. I want to find out. It'll be good. And then I'm going to need more information about (laughs) the other positions that yes. will be coming up. We'll start okay. hiring teachers after that, which is awesome. huge. You That's know? so great. Yeah, well, we're cool. really excited. Well, uh, is there, do we want to give any, uh, do you want to give a shout out to any specific organization? You're involved in so many, but uh, yeah. maybe give us the best places to find information on, sure. on the organizations that you're involved in. Absolutely. So Sovereign Community School has a website. If you just Google Sovereign Community School, you'll find us. Mm -hmm. Uh, We have a Facebook page as well. Live Indigenous OK has a Facebook page. And Twitter. Thank you, Summer, for holding that down because I do not know the Twitter verse. Um, and then Matriarch has a Facebook page, and we will have an, uh, a website soon. Um, and we have for any Indigenous women who want to plug in and find uh, some time to be with other Indigenous sisters, we have four classes during the year that they're um, open for other Indigenous women to attend. So if you go to Facebook, you'll see those dates. Mm-hmm. Lots of fun what, stuff. Matriarch, okay. Matriarch, okay. Yes. Yeah, so we've got that going on. Central Oklahoma Two-Spirit Society has a a 
Facebook page as well. Uh, ACLU of Oklahoma is rolling out some really great stuff for they're always, you know, um, really digging into the latest and greatest that's around the bend yeah. for our legislature. And sounds like there'll be some interesting stuff for the Women's March, too. I'm, I'm excited. Yeah. Whatever right. day it's on, I'm excited. Yeah, yeah. it's going to be good. <laughs> I'm really excited for it, too. I'm less involved with it this year. I've got some health concerns and some family concerns that I'm taking care of. So well, got to take care of yourself first. We do. We about, and that's hard so. to say no and come back, but it's important. Would you be willing to talk about that for just a second? Sure. And explain, because I know when you say cirrhosis, and you know this, but like as well as I do, the first thing people think is alcohol. Mm-hmm. And so I would like to get out there that that is not the only way this happens. And we need to start right. to be taking care of ourselves. Yeah. So my uh, diagnosis, uh, stage four cirrhosis, happened this summer um, and it I really didn't find out about it you know I didn't have any symptoms because cirrhosis right. really doesn't present until you're in kidney failure um, but I had gallbladder issues they um, were removing my gallbladder saw that my liver was enlarged uh, sent a biopsy off and came back and they're like yeah so it's stage four um, I'm like ah yeah um, mine was induced by fatty liver disease. Um, so I've never been a big drinker. Um, and so that's that's not where this came from. Uh, mine was from not like getting enough activity and not eating all the foods that I need to eat to be healthy. So the first thing they did was put me on a diet um, and exercise plan. So I've lost about 30 pounds so far. Um, which will shrink the size of my liver, which will reduce the scarring. And cirrhosis basically is the scarring of your liver. And your liver acts as a sponge for all your blood to filter through to take all the bad stuff out. Well, if it's scarred, the blood can't get through. So I have about a 50% functioning liver. Um, Toxins build up in your body. It's not super fun. You have a lot of memory loss kind of stuff happening. Um, Feel more tired, fatigue. Um, it definitely lowers your life expectancy, so that mm-hmm. sucks. And there's nothing I can really do about that because it's stage four at this point. Right. But I can keep it from going any further, which means maybe I can I don't have to have a transplant. Um, but it just means that I have to be a lot better to myself and start saying no to some things. Yeah, and that's hard for women like us. I'm struggling. Yeah. <laughs> it is difficult, yeah. but. Um, it's also important. It's almost like forcing me to go. You have to say no. You have to, like, I put on my calendar for, like, workout days with little hearts beside him to try to talk my into se- myself in to be like, love you yourself. Love yourself. Yes, <laughs> I know. Yes. I'm like, uh. Self-care is a form of self-love, for sure. It so. is. It is. Well, thank you for taking the time Absolutely. out of your busy schedule Definitely. to yeah. spend it with us. I'm glad to do it. It was really fun. Thank you, ladies, thank you. for offering yeah. this space. Yeah. You can contact the podcast at BrokeBrokenPodcast at gmail.com. The Broken Broken Podcast can be found on Twitter at BrokeBrokenShow, on Instagram and Facebook at BrokeBrokenPodcast.